good Tuesday evening to everyone. Welcome to Tuesday night's Hidden Treasures Revealed. Looking forward to the information that Yah is going to be giving and looking forward to what we're going to be talking about. So we'll be back with you in just a few moments. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Phil, welcome back to another edition Hidden Treasures Revealed together. How was your day? How you doing? I had a very good day. Functional day. Uh, just looking forward to see what uh, Mother's going to bring out tonight with this topic that we get into. Well, that's the interesting thing because how it's been recently is very rarely here recently have I got the topic. Actually, even thinking back, I don't even know if it's been to where I've gotten the topic more than a day or so before. And a lot of it is just learning more and more trust in Yah and not depending on getting it ahead of time because with anything, you get something ahead of time, the tendency can be to kind of roll it and attempt to figure out where it's going to go. And it's really just a good lesson to learn more and more trust and dependency on, on mother. And because with what we're doing with this, and we've said this a few times and it's going to be brought out again, that what we are doing here is we are presenting the truth of God. And the goal is the Socratic method, which the Socratic method is not about us attempting to convince you of anything because the only one that can be convinced is yourself. And that's when you do the research and you seek God with all your heart, then you'll be able to discover the truth of God. And then with that, you will be convinced. So there's not this grand statement that me and Phil or uh, Josh and Anna Ruth and Cindy have, and even Tori have been on the podcast before that it's not that we're going to say anything that's just going to be a light bulb that just because we say something that it'll be, oh, I got it now just because you said it. No, it comes back to what we've said before, that it's about discovery. It's about each person discovering this for themselves. And you are not going to be able to discover this without the help of Yah. It's really you and Yah, us and Yah together, working this out and for the topic where, and we say topic, I mean, the, the, the truth of God is, you know, the word says that the word of Yah is living, of act, living and active, and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. I mean, it's continually growing, and there's just so much truth that uh, we've been able to understand. There's just so much more truth that, you know, hasn't been revealed that we have the ability to understand. And this just came to mind. I was ahead of a thing or two. And this is one that just really stuck out to me. And it just stemmed from a really a post that you had put on uh, out on Facebook. 
and we were just talking about it yesterday a little bit and um you had a post put out there and they had a um, a person that responded and you know just reading it that the responses were godly they were the truth of god was just stated openly and the other person had some other things to say back and there was just something in the one of the responses that really just stuck out to me and that's where we're going to start and because we've said this before on the podcast we are not christians we don't advocate christianity we're not teaching christianity now we came from christianity and christianity does have some truth just as different religions have different pieces of it but we have the truth we have it from the source so we don't claim that we're not advocates of christianity we're not you know preaching that teaching that and this person came from that aspect and the question was to the person and it was just a simple question just like you'll hear questions at work or somebody will ask you something and they'll and the question was do you sin yes or no now if you knew the answer to that question then you would all you would have to do is answer yes or no because the word of god makes it clear when a question is and Messiah made it clear to when when you are questioned, you know, let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything else is from the evil one, meaning the enemy of God. Meaning that it doesn't mean that every single question that somebody asks you that you don't elaborate or you say anything else and you just say yes or no. What Messiah is saying is when you say yes, know what you're talking about, know the truth of it to be able to answer yes. And know the truth of it to be able to answer no. Don't just say, you know, yes, and we'll explain. Nope. No, the word of God says just say yes or no. What he's saying is don't come at it where there's another motive, like they were attempting to trap him because that's the enemy's work as he's attempting to trap you, is attempting to get you to say things that you shouldn't say. And and that's evidence that you are giving a good answer that you can make. Really what Yeshua is saying is give a clear answer which the truth is clear and to the point just like a yes or no you don't need to add anything you don't need to add things to attempt to convince people you don't need to add things to sway people to our side any of that stuff because the truth stands on its own we don't need to defend the truth anything like that i've seen that before where people say you know we we defend the truth no the the truth defends itself we don't need to defend it all we do is walk in it present what Yah wants us to to preach so with this question, the answer back was not yes or no. It was some, and I can't remember, but it was an explanation of it. And really the answer was given. And instead of just saying no, um, yes was given back with a, a big long response. And what stuck out in my mind as to start this was, he says, we are all sinners, especially the self-righteous. And what stuck out to me was the very first part, that we are all sinners. And what happens is, and we've talked about this on a previous podcast, that the Bible is for the unbeliever. The Bible, you could look at just like an encyclopedia, the yellow pages. It's a way for you to look up and find out about God and figure out, what they're about 
in order that you can actually make contact with them and learn and walk in the truth. And what happens is, is people take what they think they understand about the Bible or about the word of God and they profess it, but they don't know what they're talking about. And we've had moments like that. And that's why in practice more and more, um, I know for me and Phil, I'm sure you agree with this is that the focus is to speak what we know and know speak to speak truth. If we don't know it, then we should not be speaking it. And we make it a goal to, you know, if we get questions or things that we'll say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that. You know, I'll get back to you. That's nothing wrong with that. But what's interesting about this is, is that we don't claim that. I don't claim that, that we are not all sinners. And, you know, people listening may say, well, doesn't the Bible talk about that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? And my answer to that person is yes, that is true. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. But as we've heard many times that people will make this statement, well, you have to put it in context. Okay. Well, we'll put it in context that that is a true statement of God, that all have sinned, meaning that we don't claim that we've never sinned before. Because if we do that, we make Yah to be a liar, and Yah is not the liar. If anybody is a liar, it's mankind, it's not God, because God is true. So the truth is, is that all have sinned except Yeshua. He did not sin. And what it's saying is it's separating to where Messiah came, he was made in our image, you know, made in our likeness, yet he was without sin. So he, like us, he had a sin nature, but Yeshua did not sin. So that's why we need him in order to have the righteousness of God, but we also have to do our part. So all have sinned, but the point of faith in God and coming to the fullness of faith and having circumcision of the heart is it's a journey of leaving your life of sin through repentance and through obedience to God, ultimately to the point of circumcision of the heart where mother by her hands will remove the sin nature from your heart and move the sin nature to the body of flesh. When you die, that body will stay here and when you enter into the kingdom, you will get a new perfected body, which cannot have sin in it at all. And there's a couple of verses like this, even this, that it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Well, you see, there it is. There's no works you have to do. But again, if you understand the truth of God, then you'll understand what the, the scriptures are saying. But the only way to be able to understand it, to be able to know it, as we talked about in the most recent podcast is to experience it. You're not going to be able to experience the truth of God without the help of Yah, without Abba, Yeshua and Ema to be able to know and to experience what it is to leave sin. Because the good news is the gospel that we preach is the gospel of God. And the good news of God is there is a way made for you through faith in my son that you can leave your life of sin that you can live a life without sin in this life and then transfer to the kingdom and be with us because that's the whole point of all the aspect of faith. The old Testament, the old covenant is about repentance and obedience. It's about 
realizing who you are before God, that God has no sin in them, and that what keeps us separate from God is our sin. Leave your life of sin. Even Messiah preached this, that I'm not here to condemn you, but I'm telling you, leave your life of sin. Walk in repentance towards God. There's a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The reason the baptism of forgiveness is because you've set it steadfast in your mind that you're done with sin. You don't want anything to do with it anymore. You want to be obedient to God. That's your desire. That's what you're going to do. Therefore, that's why your sins are forgiven, because Abba will see that you truly desire to be away from sin, and that's why your sins are forgiven. So this whole journey, the good news is, is that you have the opportunity to live a life of obedience to God. But you can only do that when you walk the the gospel message path in the order that it's set out. And so we're not putting a blanket out there to say that we've never committed a sin because that would be incorrect. But we, with doing this, we tell you as you all are listening and whoever will listen to the future that you must find a place where you leave your life of sin. You must find a place that you have circumcision of the heart because if you do not, when you stand before Yeshua at the judgment, he will tell you plainly, just like in his words in the, in the scriptures, get away from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. Because it's about getting away from lawlessness, which lawlessness is sin. And that's the reason that he did what he did. That's why in, in Christianity, what was just separate, excuse me, celebrated is Easter. And you, you see the text and things, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, yes, he is risen. Messiah is alive and Messiah is never going to die because he's immortal now. So find your place to be in him. Find your place to be risen from the dead, which means that you're done with death. You know, you're alive forevermore because being risen means that you've been crucified with him and Messiah doesn't walk around sinning anymore. There is no sin in him. You claim to be in him. Those who claim to be in him must walk as he did. You must be risen from the dead after circumcision of the heart and you are to live a life without sin. And people will look at this and use different scriptures to say, well, you know, so you're saying you're perfect. No, we're not saying we're perfect. We're saying we're perfecting, which means ever increasing, ever growing. But people will look at this and because of their brainwashing and mind control, the lack of understanding of actually understanding the work of God and the reason for Messiah coming was to show you as the example on what it is to be obedient to God and to get away from wickedness, which is sin. And that's the, the message from the Old Testament, from the message from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, to the message in the New Covenant is repentance and obedience, getting away from the old life of selfishness, which is sin, which is disobedience to God. And it, it's just a shame that I've been just hearing this for so many years and you get those little Facebook notes or things, and he is risen. He's risen indeed. And you get the smiley faces, but you sit there dead in your sins and you celebrate Messiah being alive and you walk around in sin and death and you don't even recognize it. And the teaching just keeps going of, oh, he's risen. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he lives and you're just as dead as a doornail in darkness and sin and you don't see it. And you think that you've made this one-time decision because we've been there and we've done these multiple decisions over and over again. 
and you just assume that you're alive and you're just, just a big bundle of bones in the desert. And it's a shame. And it's just like that, you know, we can look at things and say, you know, you get offended and it is offensive when people claim that they have the faith of God and then they don't understand the elementary teachings of God. Even Hebrews mentioned this, that, you know, even Nicodemus, you're a, a teacher of Israel and you don't understand Messiah's work. You've been in this for 20, 30 years. You don't understand what Messiah was doing and what you must do in him. And, and it just, that's just really just started this about, you know, the things that we've said in the past and things that people say about, you know, he has risen and, you know, he is alive and, you know, he's resurrected from the dead, the tomb, the, the stone is rolled away, but then there's no discussion or thought into, okay, he's alive. What about me? What about us? You know, because we're the, the people that claim faith in Messiah would say, yes, I'm the bride of Messiah. Well, is Yeshua going to be married to a prostitute? Certainly not, as Paul would write. You know, is, is there darkness? Would, would Yah be united with darkness? Certainly not. But it's just, it's a shame because of the brainwashing and mind control and the fact of people are comfortable where they are and they don't seek this out that the day of the Lord is going to be a dreadful day. And even as Messiah spoke that when he returns, it's going to be like lightning from the east, from the west. It's going to be a dreadful day when he returns. So, you know, and people will want to rush this day. And we would say, no, it's not for it to be rushed. You know, Yah have mercy on people, give them opportunity to find this faith because when Yeshua returns, there is no opportunity anymore. Faith at that point is is taken away. So that really, Phil, was my my mindset because, you know, we there's so many things we could talk about, but that was just really a just a crutch there. And a lot of these Facebook posts and things we see, people will try to convince, and you know, the person was attempting to convince you and our goal here is not to convince anybody of anything. If you want to know this truth, you, you must do what we've done. You seek it with all your heart, but it's just, it's just, and we're not the only ones that have this, but you know, one of the um, churches in, in Messiah, but that's where my thoughts were to start. And, you know, fellow, turn it over to you. Anything that, you know, what direction that mother will lead you in this, but that's, you know, what came to mind with all of this about a thousand different ways to turn, which one do we go? Because <laughs> it is, it's such a large, uh, broad topic when we talk about this. Um, and there's so much, there's a lot that the Bible says about it. But what I want to do is, first I want to go back to the very beginning where you talked about discovery and just bringing out this point for people to understand uh, the, the purpose of discovery is obviously for you to recognize and know what the truth is. And therefore, you know it. And you once you know truth, you can't unknow it. Now, you think you know truth that that can be undone because what you think, you know, isn't based in truth. And that's why. We do in-depth study in the Word, and we do in-depth uh, conversation with Yah to make sure that what we're speaking is true, because like you said earlier, we speak what we know, and we know what we speak. Anything else, I want to make sure that I'm letting you know that it's opinion, that it's not 
actual truth. And the aspect of discovery, in order for you to discover something, this is not about you. We're not telling you that listen to what we say and go to the Bible and prove it right. Okay. And we're not saying go to the Bible and prove it wrong. Okay. What we're saying, and not just the Bible, but God, what we're saying is do both. Make it a full rounded, non-biased aspect and study it. A lot of times people get trapped because they think they already know what the answer is. And therefore they won't even go into, they can't enter into a non-biased perspective because they're not capable because their cognitive dissonance locks in and no, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. But you can't give a good answer for what you're saying. And so I want people to know that the best way to discover things is it's like you do if you're looking into a job or what you should do. If you're looking into a job, you're looking to buy a house, you're looking to move away, you're looking to move back, you're w- whatever decision that you have to make, the objective goal is to weigh the pros and the cons, to weigh it against the word of God, which is their spoken word. We have the Bible, which is their written word, where it was given to men, men penned it down, and it's not infallible. That's why we have the Spirit to uh, give us the direction to have revelation about it. So when we talk about discovery, we want you to take and look at all the pros and cons. Dig up the scriptures. If there's something that's said that you don't think is right, don't try to prove it wrong. Don't try to prove it right. Let let me see how many scriptures talk about this from this perspective and how many talk about it from the opposite perspective and then go through it. And then as you're going through, you may come across an area where you think you see a contradiction. And if you think, think you see a contradiction, then don't worry about it. Don't, don't, don't pay any mind to it. I just speak with God and evaluate so you can uh, remove the contradiction. So what I'm saying is, is don't just, oh, they contradict and that's it. That's the end of it. No, no, because there's going to be some scriptures that are going to have the appearance of contradiction, but God does not contradict. If they did, they could be mocked. And we know the word says God cannot be mocked. And therefore there are no contradictions. It's just a matter of understanding, you know, I. It is by grace we are saved, not of works. Show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. So, you know, those two seemingly you could look at them and say, well, there one says you don't have to do works, the other one says you do. You know, the one doesn't say that you you don't have to do works as a part of faith. What it says is whatever work that you do in faith, it does not earn you anything. And so that's really important understanding. And for those listening, the, um, the person that had responded to my uh, post was uh, a cousin of mine. And what's interesting is, is that my post wasn't directed towards anybody in specific rather than the base of Christianity with the whole, he is risen, he is risen, but 
they have no evidence to show him risen in their heart, in their life. And so he made the first move towards me. I did not, oh yeah, I, I'm going, this guy, I, I'm going to direct this towards him because he needs, no. I just put it out there and he started with his own response or, you know, comment to the post. Well, at that point, he opened himself up for a warning from God. Sean, you and I, anybody who is a overseer of the church is set up as a watchman, just like he talks about in Ezekiel. And the watchman is there to be able to let people know when things are good, when things are clear, you know, no threat of enemy, everything's fine. But they're also there to, oh, enemies on their way. I be on guard. You know, we must, when God directs us to warn somebody, we must do it. And I don't have a problem doing it. The, what he doesn't understand is he may think that I'm trying to convince him of things, but the reality was, was God was just giving him a warning to say, hey, you're a wicked man. You think you know the truth because of what you're professing and how you're professing it, but yet you can't even quote a single scripture to back up what you're saying. And so the objective goal is he he started, and God said, okay, and we're going to take this in a direction he didn't like, and we're going to lay out the warnings. We're going to lay out the things that you're not doing, and whether he adheres to it or not, that's nothing to me. I, I have no animosity towards, towards him at all. It, it, it does not bother me at all with the responses. And then it did carry on in Facebook Messenger after the fact, after uh, the post. Uh, so he was just continually warned about his lack of faith in God. And if he seeks it out and, and finds God, he seeks God with all of his heart, he'll find it, and then he'll know and he'll be saved. If he doesn't, He's going to burn. It, it, it's an unfortunate thing, but I'm not. I'm not condemning him. I, I'm. I gave a warning so that you won't be condemned, because the point that it is decided whether you are exonerated or convicted is at the point of death. When you die, you will know. My hope is, is that he will find it before he dies. At that point, there's nothing you can do. You can't cross over. If you're on Abraham's side, you can't cross over to the, the place of torture. If you're on the place of torture, you can't cross back over. So it was truly, and it was funny because I, as today I was uh, looking at it, I was like, wow. God, just like in Ezekiel, was given the warning. If he doesn't adhere to the warning, his blood, his eternal uh, burning is on his head. 
It's not on mine. Now, if if I didn't warn him because God wanted me to warn him, and then he ended up there, then his his burning would be I'd have to answer for that. And no, I'm God wants me to warn you, I'm gonna warn you. I'm not doing it because I hate you. I'm not doing it because uh, I I gained something out of it. No, I, I gained nothing from it. What I, what I do it for is because, one, I walk in obedience to God's word. That's a, that's a fact of faith in Messiah. So I walk in that and warn this person, okay, well, he had plenty of warnings, plenty of warnings laid out, and it's up to him because, again, like we've talked about, I, I can't convince him. Nobody can convince him. He, can, he can't even convince himself. He's already convinced himself of what he thinks is true, but he can't answer for that, and therefore he doesn't know his faith, or he knows the faith that he has in what he's saying, but that, that uh, hope that he has is going to come to nothing. And there's just evidence everywhere that points in the truth direction. He's got to find it. It's up to him to listen to what was said, evaluate the scriptures that were given to him. And figure out that what you're following is not appropriate. But again, I'm not offended. It doesn't bother me. It's, I'm not upset. It's just the way it is. And again, my hope is that when he seeks God with all of his heart and continues in that, then he will find salvation. And so you said something a little bit earlier, and it's interesting because I had this thought. That I had that thought today, where you were saying, "We don't have to defend the truth. We don't have to defend the gospel of God. We don't have to defend the word of God." But watch this: the gospel, the word of God, and the truth. When we are walking in it, it defends us. Well, and just as you were, I got that just as you were bringing that out, because you, you think about it, the, the truth of God is steadfast and rock solid, that nothing can come against it and overcome it. Nothing. And when they're just like, that's when in the Old Testament where Yah made it clear, don't go out because I won't be with you. If you think you can go out there, then you're going to defend yourself. But when they, when God was with them, and we had said this before, like, if you think that Nazi Germany had the big army and all this stuff, yeah, with the Israelites, there wasn't anybody touching them because what God can is, you know, who can overcome the great and powerful God of this Israelite people that, I mean, they've part of the ocean, fire from heaven, all these other things and earthquakes, plagues. I mean, you can't fight against it. And I was thinking about this to just thinking about the reason that you attempt to convince somebody of something and it, this isn't necessarily a conscious thing is because you don't know it yourself. So if you can convince somebody else and they agree with you, then 
okay, now I'll be convinced now I'll, because you agree with me and then we know what's right. But if you think about it, if you really know something, you know, because my wife really likes watching these mountain expeditions, like she's been watching Mount Everest and K2 and all these different things. And it'd be like if you summited Mount Everest and somebody says, well, you didn't summit Everest. You would be like, why do I need to respond to you? I know I've been there. I've been on the top. I know I have. Why do I need, why do I need to answer you on this? Because I know it, you know, you're just attempting to get me to argue. I'm not taking part in this. If you really want to talk to me, I will. But, but if you really don't know something, then what you do is you attempt to convince not only the other person, but you attempt to convince yourself. And the thing is, is that the, the truth of God stands on its own. And it's about, you're the one that has to seek it out to be convinced after your own seeking and Yah will help you with this. But we know for absolute certainty that you're not going to be convinced even by somebody being raised from the dead because that's why the parable and why the parables Messiah said, so that seeing they do not see lest they turn to me and I would heal and I would bring the understanding. So I'm giving you a physical picture so that you can understand the spiritual. Well, why couldn't they understand the spiritual? Because I didn't understand the physical, but it was told the rich man that had his time, and the poor man, you know, now you're going to get your riches that you didn't get. And the rich man is in torment and makes an interesting statement that gives proof that he knows the truth because he says, you know, let me send somebody back from the dead. And Abraham told him no, because even if somebody came back from the dead, they wouldn't be convinced because they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And then, you know, the rich man said, no, no, send somebody from the dead and then they'll repent. So he knows at that point that it was because of a lack of repentance to find the truth that why he was there. But this actually came to us last night that even if somebody was raised from the dead, they wouldn't understand or they wouldn't accept it. Well, Yeshua rose from the dead and there's still people out there that aren't convinced. They don't understand the truth, but you had a man that is the son of God that, that died, that gave us the example of this faith that it takes sacrifice of yourself and being risen, which what was interesting is I looked up the word risen and the definition that stuck out to me was restored from death. You know, cause you would think why well, I just, I rose out of bed and now I'm walking around, but no, the death that he died, he died once to sin. And the life that Yeshua leaves, lives now, he lives to Yah. And it's the same thing with us that we are dead to the law. We're dead to sin through the body of Messiah. And now we've been raised from the dead. And now we bear fruit to God now because the only way that you can bear fruit to God is to have sin taken out of your life. It has to be taken out of your heart because Messiah said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot bear the fruit of the spirit with sin. It's, you're not going to be able to do that. And we must walk as he did. And this was one of the scriptures that you had given to him was First John and amongst different places, Hebrews, that the journey of faith is that you will sin. 
okay, for a time, and Yah knows that. But the point is, is that even though you sin, the mindset of repentance is that you're never okay with it. You do not agree with it. You are against it. Vehemently in your mind, you're against it. That even when it happens, no, I'm not doing that again. I despise this. I hate it. I'm getting away from it. That's when you have forgiveness of sins. That Abba doesn't just forgive your sins just because, well, I'm sorry. No, that you have to prove that you've turned completely away from a life of disobedience and that you're tested in that, that even though you can't get away from it because sin is in your heart, that you're doing everything you can possibly do in your mind. You're, you're scraping, you're crawling, you're fighting it. Everything that you can possibly do in your mind. Then you'll get the reprieve when you go to Yeshua where you'll still be tested, but you'll get to the point where you can rest in him, where you rest from the works of the written code that you're, you know, you have circumcision of the heart, but there's still work after that. You still work in the faith journey. But so I had this thought, and this is another one of those statements that comes around is Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And I was thinking about that. And there's like the Socratic, is that a true statement? Because did Yeshua die for all sin? What sins did he die for? And I was just, and you can answer, I, the, the answer is given to me is that it's about the sins that have been repented of. Because you think about this is that you get forgiveness of sins by repentance. So Messiah will only be able to deal with sin to be removed from you is that which is in repentance, because if it's not in repentance, then it's going to be intentional. And I was just sitting there thinking about that, that it's just a blanket. Well, he just died for all sins, past, present, and future. No, because if he died, he couldn't have died for sins in the future, because that would mean that you're a sinner, you're continually sinning. So that can't be, but that's a message that's preached that, well, he, he died for your sins, past, present, and future. Well, but that's not true because why would Messiah tell somebody to leave their life of sin? He wouldn't, he, he told them that, which means that don't sin in the future. That, that Like the last time, if you tell somebody, leave your house and don't come back, well, yeah, it's okay to go back. No, it means you abandon it. You, you leave it, you turn away from it. You don't ever go back to it again. And there's a way to get rid of it. You know, in him, you know, the sin taken out of your heart, but this is, this is one of those, it's a, people will look at the Bible, people will look at the word of God. And then just because of the brainwashing, the cognitive dissonance, the, the, the truth is just, you miss it. And it's just like, you can sit there and you can read something and you can read it and you can read it. But if you don't have mother, if you don't have her as a guide to help you to understand the truth of it, then you're just going to read words and whatever words are going to fit what you think the truth is you'll go to like first John. Well, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Well, you see, there it is right there. Yeah. But wasn't John with Yeshua? Because John first John, John on the Island of Patmos is the same John. So, he was a follower of Messiah, why would he say that Yeshua would be okay with you continually sinning when he was walking with him? He wouldn't because he was with the Lord and 
he would know because he's there with him. And he says, yes, I write to you fathers because you have known the father. I write to you that if anybody does sin, that you have an advocate with the father, Yeshua, the righteous, but I write this so that you do not sin. So he's speaking to both sides. He's speaking to the point of where you're walking in repentance and you have forgiveness of sins is that if you do sin, that there is an advocate with the father because you have forgiveness of sins. And now you have an advocate that you can get to a point where you don't sin, which is good. But I write you this so that you will do not sin. You know, those that claim to be in him must walk as he did in him is no sin. Anyone that claims to be in him and continues to sin has neither seen him or known him. This is the same one that was with him that he would agree with Yeshua's teaching. He would agree with Abba's teaching. He would agree with mother. And I just, this is a, just as one of those is that people just don't see it because one, you're not seeking with all your heart. And two, you just get locked into the feel good programming that you just, it just gets, it just gets missed. And that's the, really the work of the enemy, getting people into believing the lie, you know, people believing the strong delusion that God will send them strong delusion so that they'll believe the lie. Well, this lie has been going around, even around in Messiah, you know, just, Hey, be careful that no one deceives you. Listen to what I'm telling you that there's going to be false teachers and false prophets. And it's just, you know, it's just a cry to those people that are listening that, you know, be willing to put what you think, you know, on the shelf. You know, be willing to put that up there and just say, yeah, just please show me what the truth is. I want to know the truth no matter how it affects me. Show me what it is I really desire to know. And because I've just got all this information, I just please show me the truth. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm willing to put it all to the side, you know, put what I think I understand to the side. And that's going to be a challenge. But when you do that, you seek with all your heart that Yah will show you step by step. So with what you're talking about, the there is perception and false teaching by lies that cause people to uh, not understand what the true reality of what was being said, what was being spoken, what Messiah did, why he did it, why he came. And this is why it's so important that you have the spirit in your heart to truly be able to give you all the information necessary. If you just go on what you perceive, then you're going to be misled and you go on your understanding. And the Old Testament tells us, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And so when we keep, when people lean on their own understanding, then they're, they're, speaking about things they don't know that they confidently think they know but they don't know because they're leaning on their understanding but there's so much understanding in the fact of the bible saying messiah died for the sins of the world which is a true statement but you have to understand it from the avenue and the context at which it means because yes he died for the sins of the world so that sins could be forgiven, so that sins could be uh, done away with. You know, it, it died. the Bible says he came to forgive sins. And a lot of people will stop that scripture at that point. 
but miss out on the part that says, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So yes, he came to forgive sins, and we've talked about this in podcasts uh, prior to this, is that when you're on the journey, you need the forgiveness of sins. When you have the repentance to Abba, you don't have a sin-free life, so you still sin even though you don't want to, and therefore you have the forgiveness. But you have to carry that on to be cleansed of all unrighteousness, and that's through circumcision of the heart. And that's why in John, where it says, I tell you these things so that you will not sin. But if someone does sin, we have an advocate in Messiah that will go to the Father. And what he's talking about is those who sin in faith, in the faith journey, or those who do not have circumcision of the heart yet. They are seeking God with all of their heart. They've repented to God, which means they're, they're making the attempt at the best that they can to not sin, but they still sin, and God knows that because they have the nature of sin in their heart. They can't do anything about that, but they can do it in their mind. And so, yes, you have at repentance the forgiveness of sins, and even uh, it says in the Bible that John's repentance was what? It was a repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But we know that that's not the fullness of the baptism because John himself said about Messiah that I baptize with water for the forgiveness of sins. So I'm baptizing you. I'm putting you in the water as a representation of you've set your heart that you're going to be obedient to God. You're going to do whatever it is. You're not going to be capable of it, but that's what your heart says. And so that's where you will get forgiveness of sins. And then he goes on to say, but there's one who comes after me who will baptize you with spirit and fire. And so there's a threefold, there's three immersions laid at, that John the Baptist laid out that you must have in order to enter into the kingdom. You must immerse yourself into Abba through repentance. You must immerse yourself into Messiah to walk in obedience to your repentance. And then you must trust in mother in the spirit to then give you the circumcision of the heart, which removes the sinful nature, and therefore you cannot sin anymore. So when it says, when John said, for those that do sin, it's not that he was wrong, and we're not saying he was wrong. We're just clarifying for you that he says, I'm telling you this so you won't sin. So you get to that place of circumcision of the heart that you don't sin, but while you're on the journey, you, you, can, you can have a credit of righteousness just like Abraham did. See, Abraham, until Messiah died and finished his work, Abraham could have only had the first two baptisms. He couldn't have had the circumcision of the heart done by the Spirit because that came after Messiah died. And so it's just it's really important. So when we look at this, in the context of it, yes, Messiah came and he died for the sins of the world. And what that means is, because even scripture says he came 
to be an example that we would follow in his footsteps. So how you have forgiveness of sins, he showed you. He said, I know that you're, you're not capable of doing this without me. Yah said, you can't do this without my son because he's going to show you how. But once he shows you how, then you have to do the work. You have to have that repentance towards Abba, which means you have to walk in the old covenant first. And then you have the repentance to Messiah, to that, that you've repented to Abba. You, everything they say is right, true, fair, and just, and it doesn't matter. I may not understand, but this is what I'm going to do. And then you, you start walking in obedience to that in your mind, where you're fighting to not, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then you do it. No, I don't want to do it. No, why do I have to keep doing it? Well, that that's a part where you have sin, but you've circumcised your heart, which is your conscious mind, so that you will fight those wicked things till the day you die. But God's not going to let you die without circumcision of the heart done by the spirit. If that's your attitude, if you have the mind of Christ, of absolute obedience to God, then you're going to get the circumcision of the heart because that's the the third baptism, the baptism of spirit, in order for you to be able to be in the kingdom of God. And when you have that, then mother comes and dwells in your heart. And if you profess that you sin, it is an impossibility for mother to be in your heart because uh, she will not dwell with sin. Now, she can come upon sinful people in order for their purpose to be fulfilled, but she cannot dwell in sinful man. It's an impossibility. So if someone claims a sin, they're telling you, it doesn't matter what they say about what faith they might have. They're telling you that I have nothing. I have no fellowship with God because it's an impossibility for you to have the spirit in you and you still continue to sin. That's a factual perspective. So when we look at Messiah, yes, he came to die for the sins of the world. And that is that if everybody in the world walked as he did, crucified themselves with Christ, that that's crucifying the, the uh, completely your selfishness, that everybody else is above you, and nobody is, uh, you don't put anybody beneath you, then you crucify yourself, you put God in control of your life, and when God's in control of your life, you will do what God tells you to do. You will not fall short of God's word because you, you have the fulfillment of it. And that's why the Bible says that Messiah came to be an example that we would follow in his footsteps. That's why it says, crucify yourself with Christ. Because until you, until you first walk in the old covenant like Messiah did, you can't have the Old Testament, the old law, the, the written code, you can't have that nailed to your cross. Because you have to come in agreement with that. And it, it, your, your attempt to fulfill it is not earning anything, but it's it's proving that you believe God. And therefore, you do it because you want to, not because you have to. And that removes the obligation. So 
when we look at this, Messiah came to be an example that we would follow in his footsteps. Well, part of his footsteps was a sin-free life as he lived on the earth. How can I follow in his footsteps if I can't live a sin-free life? Then what he told me is an impossibility, and therefore I would have no, no reason to have faith in that Messiah. But Messiah knew that he was coming to be an example that if we do what he did, we walk in the old covenant, we, and because of that, we, we repent to Yah, and then we walk in the obedience of it to the absolute best of our ability, though we fail, we get forgiveness of sins. But when we prove to God, when we've walked in the desert long enough that God sees that we mean what we say, that's when they give you circumcision of the heart and the removal of sin. And see, here's the thing. The uh, gentleman that was in the conversation that I was having, he hasn't walked where I have. I've walked where he is. We grew up in, in similar, I mean, it was a cousin of mine, so we grew up in similar family backgrounds that, you know, he grew up going to Catholic Church. I grew up going to Catholic Church. I know what it is. I know what the Catholic Church is about. I, I understand that. And so I've walked where he is. He hasn't yet walked where I am, but yet he makes bold professions that he thinks he knows when, no, you can't know where I've been until you've walked a mile in my shoes. And for looking at him, I could say, I've walked in your shoes. I've been there. I've seen the uh, falseness and the hypocrisy that takes place. And here's, here's an aspect that came out in the, the uh, conversation back and forth that me and him had was he made a statement of uh, that you're not, you, you're not to judge others, you're just to judge yourself, okay? And because he was feeling like he was being judged, and he was. I, I make no bones about that. I'm not making a statement saying that you're not to judge people. Now, I will make a statement. Don't put the final, don't put judgment on it. Don't, don't put, you are going to go to hell or you are going to go to heaven. No, that, that belongs to God, but I am going to judge and I'm telling you that. But he was saying and implying that he doesn't judge and I shouldn't, the only person I should be judging is myself. And one of the things that I pointed out to him was the fact that he made comments about uh, me being self-righteous, comments about him making a comment that, that you sin, you just don't admit it, and also uh, a comment about me being uh, prideful. And I look at that, and I'm like, in order for you to make those conclusions, you're judging me. But the problem is, is that, you're telling me not to judge you, but you're judging me. So you prove in what you've done that you're a hypocritical liar, that you're seared as one with a hot iron, that you don't know what you're talking about because you haven't evaluated that you're doing the exact same thing that he was professing I was doing. And I don't deny it. I never told him don't judge. So therefore, I can judge. 
but I need to judge appropriately, appropriately, like Messiah said, in the way that you judge, it will be measured back to you. So I want to make sure that my judgments are right and fair and appropriate from God. But that's the thing people don't think about. And it's because they don't know that you tell on yourself every time he made a response to something that was uh, brought to him to get him to, to, uh, to look at truth, he didn't, he didn't see it because he's not capable. And I get that. The, the objective wasn't for him to, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. No. You know, maybe one day in the future he'll be laying in bed and he'll have those thoughts of, you know, being uh, thinking about the, the doubt of what he's doing. And maybe he'll remember the conversation. That's the hope of it. But put the golden rule into effect. Before you start slinging accusations at somebody else, because you're doing this, you're doing what you just said, but you don't see it because you're a blind guide. And you profess you're trying to help people. And the whole objective is we're trying to get people back to the original uh, Catholic Church, because there was a comment made about uh, Martin Luther and how from that point on, it just, you know, kind of put off to the Protestant uh, perspective. And it's like, no, Martin Luther just happened to see some false things that he didn't agree with and made some changes. And people have done that along the way. But unfortunately, those changes have come from what man thinks and leaning on their own understanding rather than the truth of God and leaning on God's understanding and making sure that God is the one directing you because the enemy, I can see the enemy behind this. My battle's not against him. The battle's against the, the uh, rulers and authorities that are telling him, yeah, look, don't see the, the Catholic church was the beginning of the, the church and they were, the, and they were the unified church. And, and it's like, if you want to listen to that, you can, but back up what you're saying with the word of God, with the scripture, that's all. So when you are professing something against somebody else, do the self-evaluation first. Am I doing this? Is, is the words that I speak here? Are they convicting and condemning me while I'm trying to convict and condemn somebody else? And it's, it's huge because you're so blinded by the forest of logs in your eye that you can't see straight to see the speck. And so leave that person alone. You know, I, I have walked in Christianity. I have walked in Catholicism. I have walked in different denominations down the, the uh, path. And the path that I'm on now is the true path of Messiah. It's the, it's the way of Messiah, period. And we get our information from the Spirit, from Mother, because she's the one that's guiding us and directing us. And we have her in our heart because we don't sin. It, it, and not everybody in our gathering has hit that point yet, but 
those that are seeking with all of their heart have the forgiveness of sin. And therefore, if they carry it out to circumcision of the heart, then they will be able to experience. See, that's the thing. He doesn't know what it's like to live in this life without sin because he hasn't experienced it. If you haven't experienced something, you can only guess. You, you can't know it. I've walked in sin and I've walked without sin because I've done it. And he can't say the same thing. And that's why he would fight against it because he doesn't understand because these things are spiritually discerned by those who are fully committed to God to give their life over to God in absolution. And then the spirit gives you what information is necessary for you to have. Well, with something that we just, I just spoke about with uh, John's writing that this just came to mind with this, that this is actually piggybacking off of a recent podcast of how do you know that you know, that you know, that you know, well, the statement is made, those who claim to be in him must walk as he did. Those who claim to be in him must experience what he experienced. So if you're not experiencing the struggle and the suffering and the persecution, then you're not walking as he did. And this isn't something you can just contrive and, well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to throw myself out in front of people and be tortured so that I can be, I can struggle that no, you won't be able to avoid it because when you're in Yeshua, you carry his body here on earth and you're experiencing what he did, the rejection, the loneliness, the people thinking you're crazy, people, you know, you know, hey, you know, good to see you, you know, and then idiot, you know, behind your back, stuff like that. So we, you must walk as he did, meaning that you will live his life here on earth, even to the point of crucifixion and resurrection from the dead. And it's a must. And this, it's interesting because this came to mind in regards to why when you ask somebody, and, and I'll just say Christianity because that's where we, we came from, that when you ask somebody that claims Christianity, the reason that they will answer that they cannot answer no, and obviously we know why because they still have sin, but... That is to the sin question, right? The sin, right, like if, if do you sin, and they'll say, you either get the silence or you'll say, well, yes, I sin, or you don't get the no, or if you do, all right, we'll explain how it's no, because that explanation is going to be the key to this. But most of the time it's yes, and the reason why, or one of the reasons, is because people think that Yeshua was perfect, because if he's perfect, then he didn't sin. Well, I, I can't be perfect because he was the only perfect one, and a lot of that is and of lack of understanding but that's part of it because we don't claim that Yeshua was perfect here. It's not about him being perfect. It was about him being obedient to God. And when he died, it says in the word of God that once he was perfected, then he entered the kingdom. That's when Abba turned to him and said, today you have become my son. Today I've begotten you that now because you're perfected now, Yes, you're my son, but now in the fullness of it, you're my son in perfection. Now you can be my son here at my side. But what happens is, is that the understanding is that he's perfect. Well, I can't be perfect, so yes, I sin. Yeah, but the word says that if there was a law that would bring perfection, then there would be a law that would bring for perfection. But perfection 
is when you enter into the kingdom, what Yah is looking for is obedience. So even Messiah himself wasn't perfect because he carried the sin nature. Now he didn't sin, he didn't disobey God, but he still carried a corruptible body. So therefore he had to die. And that's the thing. And here's the absolute truth of this. And this is just something that you is the truth of God, but must be understood is Messiah was made in every way, just like us, you know, cause people say he was fully God and he was fully man. No, he was fully man when he was here. Now he was from God. So his, his nature was of God, but he was a man in a body of flesh, just like us, you know, like a man or woman would be in a body of flesh. The only difference between us and him is that, and this is referred to as the age of accountability. Now it doesn't mean an age like when you hit the number 10 or you hit the number 12 or 13, that all of a sudden you just have this moment where the sun shines on you and you just understand it's talking about a, a connection in the, in the brain and an understanding of making a choice of understanding the right from the wrong. That when he came to that, which referred to as the age of accountability, he chose obedience to his mother and father, Abba and Ima. And when we came to that, we chose sin. That's how he was able to not sin, but still carry a sin nature. And that's why his sacrifice was the perfect sacrifice. It doesn't mean that he was perfected, but it was the perfect sacrifice because it was without stain and it was without blemish. And that's why he's referred to as the lamb of God that was made without spot and without blemish because the blood of his father was within him. So that blood that was um, clean was able to be poured on the altar in heaven, which cleansed the heavenly things, opening up the door for us, being able to sacrifice ourselves just like he did, and that our sacrifice is accepted because we, when we crucify ourselves with Messiah, we are buried with him in baptism, submersed, and then we are resurrected from the dead, circumcision of the heart. So that's the difference. And that's one of the main things is it's a, it's a lack of understanding because people assume that Messiah was perfect and he wasn't. It was that his righteousness was his uh, mindset and his heart to be obedient no matter what, because this came to mind earlier that, you know, when was that moment of him having that age of accountability and the scripture came to mind that when he said, it is written about me in the scrolls, here I am, I've come to do your will, O God, that that's, he made that decision, that that's what he was going to do. And he went from there. And, and even when, because he was, even when he was living, when he was younger, he would still do things that would be considered sin. But, you know, until that connection came for him to know the right from the wrong, there is no sin because without law, sin is not taken into account. So that's how it's possible that Messiah could actually be made in every way just like us, yet without sin. And the problem is, is that because he lived what he did, we have the opportunity to have sin taken out of our, um, our heart because his sacrifice had to come first so that we could have the way. So yes, that Messiah did what he did, which we must have that because we would be dead in our trespasses without that. But he's the example for us to follow. So he's secure in the kingdom. So those who walk as he did that follow the same path, like you said, Phil, like the, you go through the old Testament obedience to and repentance and, and trust, and you get the fullness of it. Then you get to enter just like he did because you've been, you've done the example. And that's why when you stand before him, he would say, 
welcome to the kingdom of heaven, you who practice righteousness. Go ahead and come in. You've been lawful. And that's why that that's the key of this Socratic question. Can a sinner inherit the kingdom of God? And that's where those listening that you've got to figure out the answer to this question through evaluating what's been said, because, you know, can a sinner enter into the kingdom of God? What does the word of God say about it? Because the word says no thief, no idolater, no homosexual, no thief will inherit the kingdom of God. And an inheritance is, you know, a will is read and there's an inheritance. Well, make sure that you're in the will that you're in Messiah because it's Messiah's inheritance that you get to take a part in. But if you're not in that will, you're not in the book of life, then when you get there, well, my name's in the will. And he'll say, no, your name isn't in the will. Get away from me. You practice sin. You practice lawlessness. Get away from me. And people will, that last ditch effort, you know, please, Lord, didn't I do all these things? No, you didn't find your place to be without sin. Get away from me. And it's not going to be this long drawn out argument. He's not going to argue with people. He's not going to listen to any of it, it'll be over here. Oh, welcome into the kingdom of your father, right? Come on in. Nope. Over here, separating the sheep from the goats. And so it it came to mind to share that to, to those listening that there's that perception is out there that Messiah was absolutely perfect here on this earth. And he was not until he was perfected. And just, uh, I'm going to take a moment. I'm just going to reiterate what you had said about uh, Messiah being fully God and fully man. Um, and it's an important understanding in the faith journey for you to understand that Messiah was not walking around in the kingdom of God with mother and Abba when he existed. They, they, you know, the Bible says that he was, he was there from the beginning. Everything was created for him and by him. Okay. Well, the reality is, is that yes, he was there and he, but he was there in the loins of the father and the mother that Mary was a surrogate that, uh, to, to give him fully human form, fully man, he had to be born of a female woman here, but in order for him to be fully God, he had to be conceived of Abba and Ema first, and then the uh, uh, putting the placing, because Messiah was conceived of the Spirit and then placed into Mary, and so the blood that he had running through his body was the, the, the blood of God. It was God, but he had to come in human form first because if you know anything about a God, if you understand the concept of God, God cannot die. They cannot be injured. They cannot be harmed. And so it's an impossibility. He's just putting on a play. If he was uh, already... Uh, immortal, and then came here, it, it would have just been a play because his uh, immortality is means you can't die. And that's why when Abba and Ema, they had the conception, then they placed him in Mary, who was uh, before God, and so was uh, Joseph. Uh, they were picked, they were handpicked by God, for this purpose, uh, because God knew that they would teach him about them. 
and he would get the information to know who he was. And so it's really important that when he was here, he was God because he was, uh, his formulation was of Abenema, but he came in a body of flesh so that he could be like us. He, he came to be like his brothers in every way, brothers, sisters, anybody who's born in this body of flesh. Why? So that we, so he could prove to us that if you do what he did, then you can have sin removed and live a sin, a sinless life while you still live and breathe here. That's the whole concept that he came to be an example that we would walk in his footsteps. He gave us the, not only the ability by him doing it, but he also gave us the path to follow is follow his life. Do what he did. And the Bible says that we must walk as he did. He walked without sin. If you say that you can sin and have faith in, have that faith in God, the, the fullness of it, then you make God out to be a liar because it's clear. And with this question, let's see what Messiah says about this. You know, what did Messiah tell the woman who was caught in adultery after all of her, uh, uh, after all the people had realized that they sinned just like she did and they dropped their stones, what did he tell her? Well, he said, where are your accusers? And no one, Lord, and neither do I accuse you, but I tell you this, go and leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. That's, well, he meant, what he meant was, is that you should, no, he, Messiah doesn't speak lies. He speaks what his father tells him to, to speak. I do everything the father asked me to do. Go and leave your life of sin. I can't remember if it was her or somebody else or something else will work happen worse. What happened to you? There's an, there's another story of a guy who was healed and, um, he was able, it was, uh, I think, believe he was paralytic and he was healed and Messiah said, take your mat and go and stop sinning so that something worse will not happen to you. What is the worst that will happen to you is you burning eternal. And if Messiah himself said, leave your life of sin, he did not come to give you impossible tasks that you cannot uh, fulfill. That, that's a fact of it. And he told at least two people, go and sin no more. And I just, I just thought about this, that it's not a suggestion, it's a command. Because go and leave your life of sin is a, a command. And he's the son of God that anything, if you have true faith in him, anything he tells you to do, you'll do it. Those who hear these words of mine and do not put them into practice are like the foolish builder. Those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice are like the wise builder. And he said, that was a command, like you said. He said, go and sin no more. Well, if they did that, then they had their salvation. Because that's the whole thing. Is And Messiah was leaving behind a footprint to say, you can live in this life without sin. Otherwise, I would not tell you.
He's not going to, God does not give you impossible tasks. The impossibility for you to do something is when you try to discover it for yourself. With man, this is impossible. With, with man, man trying to figure out how to not sin, the guy I was having a conversation with, for him to try to figure out how to not have sin, it's impossible for him. The only way I was able to have it was because with God, all things are possible. So you have to be with God in order for the possibility of you not to sin, to be in that place of not sinning, where you've moved from being forgiven to, of sin because it was credited to you as righteousness, and then to a place to where you don't sin, which the righteousness you have now is a debit of righteousness. It's an ownership of righteousness. And if I am righteous, I cannot sin. There is, in righteousness, there is no sin. Well, the, the key in this is, is it's looked at as relative instead of absolute. You either, you either are a sinner or you're righteous. There, there is no, well, well, you accept Jesus and you're right. No, because when you mentioned that, First uh, John again, he who does what is righteous is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. So there, you're either you're either walking in repentance, which means you're walking away from sin, and you find a place to be have it removed, or you're a sinner. And see, that's the thing is that think that they can be a sinner and be righteous at the same time. Which that that'll be, I'm sure, for another podcast. But the the point is, is ultimately to get where you don't sin anymore. And that's what John is saying is that I know that there's people there that still sin because, like you said, they don't have the fullness of it yet because you have an advocate still, because you can go to Yeshua and he'll show you how to not sin anymore. But I write these things to you so that you will not sin. And the one who sins, which means is the sinner, which we're talking about, will, will you inherit the kingdom of God? It's not saying that you don't do things that are sin, but what's your, are you re walking in repentance of it? Or are you just, no, I sin, you know, cause I remember a while back I was in a, a public establishment and I was reading the word or something. And some guy asked me a question and I was like, you know, do you sin? And he says every day in my life, well, that's what being a sinner is. That means there's no repentance. There's no, you attempting to get away from it. You're just, you accept that as your lifestyle. And if you stay in that, then you will end up in the abyss. If you don't repent to God, if you stay in that sinful condition and what Yah does is they made a way. The good news is the good news isn't, Jesus died on the cross. The good news is, is that my son came by grace that you can leave your life of sin and you can enter into the kingdom of God and you can be with us forever. If you walk the path of my son and there is no excuse for anybody because he's laid the foundation and he's made it clear. If you walk as he did, then you'll receive a rich welcome. I mean, even when he was writing to the churches in revelation, you know, there were some things that said, I have these things that you're doing well, but I have this against you. And he says, repent or else I will do this. Repent or else I will do this because you still walk in repentance towards him. If Messiah tells you to do something, then you repent of it. You move on. You know, you correct it, you know, because he even said those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. And, you know, he's walking amongst the lampstands. It's Messiah's church. He's watching the, the churches that are in his name, he's watching and, and leading and guiding. But 
this is this is a a huge thing is that this is those that are listening you must discover this on your own through conversation with God seeking with all your heart and you will find this truth because the worst thing you could possibly have is when you have hope for something that you're going to get it and then it's taken away from you and that's going to unfortunately happen to a lot of people that are convinced you're going to get there and you're going to be entering into the kingdom of heaven and it's going to be taken away from you and you'll be standing there and just pleading with Yeshua and he'll say, no, because you didn't listen to my parents teaching. You didn't listen. You didn't put it into practice. Then you're not going to get it. So this is mother calling out on the street corner for people that are listening to really take these words in, really evaluate these things and define this before you leave this earth. Well, and if, if you can't be free from sin, with the fullness of faith in God, then why would the word say, when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed? What are you free from? If you don't free from sin, what are you, what are you repenting of when you say you've repented to God because you're walking in sin? If I repent of sin, I'm walking out of sin. I'm not continually walking with sin. I'm walking out of sin until I get to the point of circumcision of the heart to be able to actually not sin anymore. But you can't understand what that's like until you've been there. That That's just a, a, the fact of it is that you can't, until you experience what I experience, and that's why, like the Bible says, if somebody asks you to walk a mile with them, go too. Why? Because, well, because a mile's not enough for you to get to know them. Let's go two miles and you'll get to you get to know them a little bit better. You know, walk in their shoes. You ever heard that saying? You know, don't say something about somebody else until you've walked in their shoes. You know, I can't uh, fully address the Muslim or the Hindu because I haven't walked in their shoes. And nor would I uh, nor would I attempt to. Now, could I have conversation with them if they were open to conversation? Certainly. No question, but I would not be able to say that I understand where you're coming from because I never, uh, I've looked into and I've uh, seen what's, what uh, your religion is about, but I haven't uh, taken ownership of it and therefore I can't know it like you know it. Uh, that's just a fact of it. And you have to walk where somebody else has walked to be able to make the good confession of that you understand where they are. And so just really important when we talk about aspects like this and the fact of having sin, you, 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 you can't. And like you said, Sean, in the journey, you have the repentance to Abba, and you do get the forgiveness of sin, but at that point, you're not capable of not sinning. We know that. We walk through it. You, with all your mind, you are doing everything you can to avoid sin, but it still catches up with you because you have sinful nature in your heart. You can't help it. When you prove to God that your mind is steadfast in that, that's when they will advance you to circumcision of the heart because they're not going to give you a place of no sin unless they're convinced that's what your that's what your life is about 
And then in Hebrews, if you turn from it, then we got a whole nother problem because even in Hebrews, it says, if we intentionally continue to sin, well, if you intentionally continue to sin, if you continue to sin, you have not known him. It's I uh, first John. You, it's just really important things that people miss out on. And it's there. It's, it's an actual factual truth that none of this stuff that we're saying, it's not of us. These are not our words. These are what the, the Bible says. And so pay attention to what the Bible says. Just like Messiah with the rich man and Lazarus, and he told the rich man, all they have to do is believe Moses and the prophets. If they believe Moses and the prophets, they'll believe the words about me. And if they believe the words about me, they will have that uh, salvation. It's a, a fact of it. And nobody can enter into the kingdom if you don't listen to Moses and the prophets, which means we go back to you have to walk in the old covenant first to repent to Abba in order for you to have the forgiveness of sins. That's the first step in the journey so that you can then walk in the in your mind in the absolute obedience to the best of your ability, being thankful that your sins that you still commit are forgiven, and then you move to the place where you don't sin and you have a clearer conscience. And that's the thing. When you sin, you know you sin, and you have a guilty conscience, and the Word even says that. But when your conscience does not condemn you, then you have confidence before God. Well, I had a one of those, um, what we refer to as a tactile, like a visual example of this, and it was in the words that you spoke. I don't even know if you recognize this, but it's, I thought about this as repentance, is that you doing all that you can do, like Abba says in the Old Testament, that circumcise your hearts and be stiff-necked no longer, which means, you know, in your mind, do what you can do, turn away from sin and all this wickedness. Well, it made me think of if you have like the the written code, you have this big law tied on your back and it's pulling one direction. Well, with your life of repentance, you're walking away from it and you get ahead of it. But because it's tied to you, eventually it catches up with you because that's what you said. You eventually it catches up in the thought, you know, you're pulling forward, you're pulling away and you're getting further away. I know I'm not going back to that. But then eventually it's so weighted that you start and you go back to it because it's tied to you circumcision of the heart now you can rest put down that written code is too heavy for you to carry put it down and sin is taken away from you now sin has no power and therefore you can walk in freedom you don't have that weight attached to you going that that direction because it made me think of like you just because you're going in the opposite direction of where sin wants to go and you're pulling against it and you're getting away and getting away and you just and then eventually it catches up because it's stronger but no, in your mind, you're steadfast. I'm not ever going to be okay with this. I don't care if I do this over and over. It doesn't matter. I'm never going to be okay with it. And you fight it and you fight it to prove to God that this is really what you don't desire this. You don't want this anymore. And I'm going to get away from it then. Okay, well, I'll lead you to my son so you can see what this is all about. So it's a journey that you must go through. You know, you have to have your time in the desert. You have to leave Egypt and cross the Red Sea and be in the desert and then cross the Jordan. I mean, you must go through all those things. And this also is another aspect that speaks to something Messiah said, wherein he's, and 
this fits in perfectly with this aspect of getting away from sin because sin is a burden you can't carry. And he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So when you have circumcision of the heart, it's easy to not sin. It, it, it's a light burden. The, you, your aspect of uh, making the attempt to not sin before you have circumcision of the heart, it's a burden that's so heavy that it weighs you down. And, you know, I mean, I remember times where I was like, I don't understand why it's gotten worse. I, I don't agree with it. I don't want to do it. I, 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 but it has to get worse in order for God to see, do you really mean what you say? Or are you just going to give up? And, well, I can't beat it. So if you can't beat them, join them. No, no. My mind, if I set my mind and it's set, I will not relent. I will not uh, turn back. I'm going to move forward. Even if I have to, to drag this to the point where I'm, I'm pushing forward and I'm dragging that log behind me, but that log's got me stopped, I'm still going to dig in my, my feet and still push and try to overcome it. That's what God's looking for is those who are fully committed to that. The eyes of the Lord range back and forth throughout the whole earth, searching to strengthen the heart that is fully committed to them. And in order for you to have a full commitment to God, you have to have a full commitment to Abba first, and you have to have full commitment to Messiah. And then you have to have full commitment to mother, which then those are the, the, the baptisms of repentance, fire, and spirit that you must have in order for your baptism to be one, which is unified. You know, there's one baptism. Okay, well, that one baptism is three immersions. When you have those three immersions, then you have completed that one baptism. And the thief on the cross was able to have the two. And then the third, as Messiah died on the cross, he was able to have his circumcision of the heart, which then put him in favor to go be at Abraham's side. Because it was at that moment that Messiah died on the cross that all those that were held in those dungeons that, that lived, that had the spirit of Christ in them, that's when they received their circumcision of the heart. And at that point, that's when Messiah led captives in a train so that now we have this chasm that's set that you who didn't walk in the spirit of, of Messiah, you're staying on this side. But you who walked in the spirit of Messiah, you come with me, and now we're moving to this place called Abraham's side, because Abraham, known as the father of faith, that here, you're with Abraham, you've received your circumcision of the heart, you no longer owe, because you had a credit of righteousness, you have a debit of righteousness now, so you owe nothing. Come on over here, and you're going to wait in this place until the uh, final judgment, and then everybody together will get their inheritance at the same time. It's the beauty of how right, fair, and just God is. And people think the grace of God is salvation. The grace of God is that I sent my son to show you that you can live this life without sin. That's the grace of God. You don't earn it but you can live a life without sin. Now, when you live a life without sin, under the grace, 
that God sent his son for that purpose to show you and you walk in it, when you walk in it, now salvation is an automatic. The grace of God, because people put it as a blanket, you know, well, it's the grace of God. There's nothing I have to do. There's nothing, you know, you just, there's nothing I have to do. But then they'll say, uh, you have to believe and repent. Well, that's something I had to do. No, just because I believe and repent doesn't mean I earn it. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be able to walk sin-free in this life, but God gave me the grace to, that, to walk as Messiah did, and I get to live sin-free in this life. I'm set free from sin, so I don't sin anymore. That's a fact. And until you walk where I've walked, you can't tell me that it's not true. You can't tell me that it's not right. And if you walk where I've walked, you will be where I am, and you will see and recognize that in him there is no sin. And that's as I live and breathe. That's not an arrogance. That's not a, yeah, look at me. No. It's a, I'm thankful to God that he's allowed me to see and understand and is allowing us to share this with other people so that this information, because we weren't privy to this information as we were coming through it. We just had to seek God with all of our heart, and he took us step by step. But it was good because now when we go back and we um, we rebuild it, meaning we, we're, we go back and what, uh, reverse engineer, we're able to see exactly the path that we walked, even though we didn't see it like we do now. We still had to walk that path in order to be there. Now we have the opportunity to help other people to be able to move quicker through it if they obey the words of God. Yeah, this I was just I had a, a thought about this with the um, aspect of the grace of God that the righteousness that we have is not a righteousness of ourselves. And the word says that in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed from faith to faith. And think about this. The righteousness is, like you said, that the grace of God is that I sent my son to be the example to, to do this. That it even says in the word that so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So of the law if people attempt to be righteous by the works of the law, that's not going to get it because you're not justified by the works of the law, but by faith. So the righteousness is like you said, you're credited with it first by repentance. Then you're debited with righteousness, meaning that you now own righteousness, but that's only done by faith in the son and the proof. Like you can sit there and say that you have faith in the son of God all day long out of your mouth. But the proof that you have faith is that you're walking as he did, that you're putting into practice the teachings that he said that you agree with Abba and the law, you agree with the what he preached, and you walk as he did, and that's the proof. That's why, and it, it made me think of Cain and Abel, that Abel's sacrifice was looked at with favor, and we're given a picture here of you've got the two brothers. You now you've got the um, Israelites, and you've got like Cain and Abel, that you've got you know, Israel like fighting against you know not accepting Messiah. And Messiah's sacrifice was looked at with favor. So find your place to where your sacrifice is like Abel, that it's a willing sacrifice, that here I am, I've come to do your will, O God, that 
you're accepted with favor because of Messiah, what he's done first. And the reason that you have favor is because you're walking as Messiah did, that you're listening to God because, wow, you're walking the path of my son. You're looking to get away from sin, that you've got circumcision on the heart. So, you know, we're pleased with you because you notice that when Messiah was baptized, because you mentioned John's baptism, which was a water baptism, the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, that, you know, John was like, well, you know, you come to me and, you know, I should be baptized by you. And he's like, no, this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. So you must be fully immersed in water. You must be, have the one baptism, which is that repentance, obedience, and trust. And even John warned the people, you know, brood of vipers who warned you to flee from this wrath to come, you know, are you here to repent of your sins or what are you here for? You know, don't, you know, a brood of vipers would mean people that are walking around sinning, thinking it's okay, get away from it. You know, everything the Messiah did has given a clear example of this faith journey of showing you how to get into the kingdom of God. And we don't have anywhere in the word of God where Yah is advocating that you continue to sin. No, that they know that you will. But like you said, that Messiah advocates, go and leave your life of sin. And even Abba says, why will you die, Israel? repent and live. You know, there's either you're either going to have death or life. Well, the death side is sin because we know the wages of sin is death. Well, the wages of righteousness is eternal life in Messiah. So find your place to figure this out, walk on the journey. And Yah will, as you seek with all your heart, Yah will bring you to the next step. You know, this isn't for people to get overwhelmed on, well, I just, you know, I may never get all this understanding that they get. Well, you've got to walk where we've walked first. You've got to walk and go through experiences that we have to get to that point where, okay, now I'm understanding this, but what you must do is you must seek with all your heart. And when you do that, you will be found by God. You will find Yah and they will give you what you need. It's just like if you go through school, you know, you go through the nursery school and elementary school and all that, that you'll go through the grades and you'll progress as the teacher sees that you're, you're fit to continue. But this stuff here, this isn't, and we've said this before, this isn't something that we learned in any earthly church or anything like that. We were actually seeking this separately from the church that we were going to and actually meeting separately. And Yah was teaching us these things. And Yah continues to teach these things because we're, our dependency isn't on the Bible. It's dependent on the word of God. Because, I mean, we're just sitting here. We're not you know, we don't have the Bible in front of us, you know, we're just having conversation. And we've had this for many times, but it's the truth of God that we've been able to understand that drives this It's mother that drives the information that's out there. And I mean, y'all can't make it any more clear. I mean, unless you're actually just ignoring this or, you know, you're not willing to, to listen that this truth that we've been able to find and discover, you can discover yourself and, it isn't impossible. It's not too hard. It's just the, the, it's like that song that we we've listened to so many times. It's that it's, it's the, the greatest battle is you against you. It's you against yourself. And that's what you got to fight. Cause it's your programming. It's your, the traditions you've been in. And it's just going to be a challenge for a lot of people to break that, but it can be done because we're living proof of that, that you can get away from your old programming and you can reprogram with the things of God and you can change your life by changing not only your mind, but changing your actions to actually change your life. And you can live 
a life on this earth without sin, walking as Yeshua did. And by doing that, you'll get to take what you have here and just transform that to the kingdom and continue with all the information that we've learned and then have the complete understanding of everything and then continue from there. And as I, uh, I'll finish my portion of this podcast for this evening with this, um, this concept of the aspect of sin and faith, um, because it, it is important for people to understand. We're not saying that on the journey of faith that you're going that you're not going to sin. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that uh, you're going to sin on the faith journey. That's important. But you must get to a place of no sin. Otherwise, you haven't completed the journey, and therefore you will not end up in the kingdom. The sinning in faith, is only for a time where you're being forgiven so that you can prove to God what your mindset is. When you prove to them, then they will give you the ability to not sin. And so it's just hugely important that people understand that you that you will sin in the faith journey. We're not saying that, no, once you start faith, there's no sin. No. No, there's there's sin, but it's you have sin that is not forgiven. Then you seek God with all of your heart. You repent to Abba. That's the repent the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So now you still sin, but you have forgiveness of it. But that doesn't carry you into the kingdom. That you have to finish it with a place of no sin. I. Uh, the baptism of repentance, remember, is only for the forgiveness of sins, but uh, repentance, the, the scripture says that repentance leads to salvation. It doesn't say repentance is salvation. No, repentance is the first step in the process that's necessary through seeking God with all of your heart. And then you get to, you get to uh, continually prove to God that in your mind, you don't agree with sin and you're going to fight it till the day you die. When you've proved that to God, then they will give you circumcision of the heart. You continue to seek them with all of your heart, and then you continue to grow in knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And so it's just really important things for people to understand on the faith journey that are not being taught. And as it goes for the, the gentleman that I was having the conversation with, there's, you, he's, uh, locked, is, he's locked into Christianity. His faith is, I mean, is locked into Catholicism, into the Catholic Church. And I know way too many things about the Catholic Church and how they operate and what their belief system is to know that that is not the way, that is not the truth, that is not the life of God at all. Yes, do they say things that line up? Yes. Do they say things that are appropriate? Yes. Uh, but to a greater degree, 
it's more heresy. And therefore, I will not have uh, anything to do with it or return to it at all, just like I will not return to Christianity because Christianity teaches you the soft the softness of you can you can have faith in God and, but you still sin and that's not the case that that's a lie that has been bought into and again uh, I refer to the words of Messiah in Matthew chapter 24 many will believe the lie so as we uh, as you listen to what we're saying take and discover dig in the word pour out your heart to god and let them give you the discovery of whether what we're saying is true or false but without you doing that you have no ability to know whether it's true or false and um we'll end this podcast for this evening with um these words that come from the same writing uh, that mother wrote through uh, John the Apostle that in Yah, in God is light, and in them is no darkness at all. That love for God is obedience to their commands. So get away from hatred for God, which is continued to sin, and love God by obeying their commands and committing your life to loving them, which means that you are fully committed to them, to love them, which is to obey their commands, walk in agreement with them through repentance to where, which means that you agree that any kind of disobedience at all is not acceptable because that's um, what they, they do not desire that they want people to even yaw themselves in the old Testament when, you know, saying that, Oh, if their hearts would long to, seek after me and obey my commands always. And that's what y'all wants is they want to have a relationship and, and very good that that point was brought out about sin is that when we say the, when the Socratic question comes, can a sinner inherit the kingdom of God? What it's saying is really question and ask yourself, what does it mean to be a sinner? Am I sinning? If I am, what does the word of God say about that? So the point of this is to take the question and to ask yourself the question and evaluate it and remember that let God be true and every man a liar. So, you know, we still carry a body of flesh here so we can say things that aren't true at times that we may say something we don't understand. You know, it's not our intention or we don't know the fullness of it, but Yah is true. And when you seek them with all your heart and you through questions, you look to discover it, that they will, bring the understanding and that's the beauty of it is that you will then be able to understand it and what's interesting about this is just seeing this field that mother letting us through this question discuss the gospel message in more detail um, and we could still even break it down more and more but it's just the beauty of it that you can take one question and go on a quest and you know never stop so um, as we leave uh, stop the program for this evening uh, we do have a facebook page hidden treasures revealed we we'll also have a uh, email address, which is hidden treasures revealed at AOL.com. And if you have any comments or any uh, questions, you know, we were here for open Socratic conversation, which means we'll apply the questions to ourselves as well as discussing. So, you know, feel free to do that. And we're here every Tuesday night at 7 30 PM 
Eastern Standard Time. And we also have a podcast on Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. Eastern. So uh, as we sign off for this evening, um, yeah, I just give you praise, glory, and honor because of your truth is your teaching, your truth, and you are to be praised for your name is to be forever praised forever. Amen. And until the next time, um, everybody have a good week and we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure non-stop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.